0: The Game the System podcast is proudly sponsored by 1989 Arcade, Bar and Kitchen. You can visit their website at 1989.com.au.
1: Hello and welcome to Game the System Podcast, episode 21. A podcast about the people that play, retro, arcade, modern, pinball, board games and everything in between. It's still the 9th of October, 2018. Mm -hmm. And my name's Mark Bell.
2: My name's John. My name's Matt.
1: Hello. Hi, and we're back.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's been a long break.
1: I'm back with coffee. Good. Yep. I'm back with beer.
0: My wife said to me, oh, you won't sleep.
1: But I just threw caution into the wind. (laughs) Mm. Do you need to sleep is the question.
0: Well, I do need to work tomorrow. Right. But uh, I'll be fine.
1: Yeah, what's the worst that could happen?
0: Well, really, the solution is just more coffee. You know. Mm. It's as simple as that. Mm -mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That reminds me. When I worked in Parramatta... I used to go to the cafe and there was a barista there who used to tell me, like I'd go for my coffee at nine o'clock and she'd be like, oh, I'm so exhausted. I've already had six coffees this morning and I'm just like,
1: <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> if you have six coffees, you're going to feel exhausted.
0: Yeah. You're going to feel pretty terrible. Yeah. Yep. That'll do it I to I think you. I knew what her problem was. Mm. She loved coffee mm.
1: too much. Mm. <laughs> she was in the right job though.
0: Well, arguably in the wrong job.
1: Arguably, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was doing damage. Mm. Mm. So news. News. News of the week. Cool. Of the last couple of weeks. Mm. Or in the case of this, which we've failed to mention many, many times. Mm. And after every podcast, we keep saying, we forgot to mention this. Mm. It is Streets of Rage 4 Mm. has been announced. Yeah. Yeah. Are we excited? Uh, <laughs> I think so. I suppose.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's made by the same people that made the Wonder Boy remake.
1: Yes, Wonder Boy Dragon's Trap. So oh, that's right. it'll probably look very nice. Mm. And uh. In fact, I could say it does look nice because mm. you can look at the screenshots or seen. teaser video or mm. some of the gifs. It looks pretty damn cool. Yeah, it doesn't have the the retro look. No, does it sort of hand drawn? Not
2: have both uh, the switching uh, Uh, graphics. I I
0: I hope that it does. I don't know. I don't know if they'll do that. I don't think they
1: would because they're going for a different look. I mean, Axel looks completely different.
0: Yeah, he looks very like top heavy. (laughs) (laughs) He looks like yeah, he looks very.
1: He looks like a like a bodybuilder. He looks like someone who's aged, right. He well, must be pretty got old bigger. Bigger. And yeah. oh, okay,
0: maybe mm. I'm wrong. Hmm. Yeah, he did look different. Mm. Yeah, Blaze look similar. Right. Yeah, she looks really cool.
3: Hmm.
0: Yeah, I hope it's 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 interesting because I mean people have like said, oh yeah, I'm really excited because it's made by the same people that made Wonder Boy and they did a really good job, and that's true. But that was a remake. That was just a remake of uh, the identical game. The game was the same, mm-hmm. um, whereas this is a sequel, so it's actually a whole new game. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see. I think it's going to be really interesting to see what they do because they can kind of take it in two directions as a sequel. They can make it really similar to like Streets of Rage 3 or 2 or whatever, keep, it, keep the formula, do it exactly the same, Nothing new, everything you expect um, and have something that people, I think, mostly will be happy with or they could try and add some new stuff into it, bring in some new mechanics or try and take it to the next level, mm. bring it into the future um, and make something that's going to blow people away. But take that by doing that, they're taking a risk of upsetting fans of this game yeah. um, by changing things. Yeah which is is a really big risk. And I think it's kind of funny because I think naturally as the audience, we always want them to take a risk because if they don't do that, then they never um, innovate. They never make anything exciting. They just keep remaking the same thing. Mm. But I think from a business point of view, I definitely understand why they do that because it's from a business point of view, it's such a huge risk to do that because if you bomb then they'll lose all their money and...
1: Yeah, and potentially lose, you know, a reputation within the company Mm. and other companies might not want to approach them Mm. to develop games because the game you produced that had Mm. a lot of weight behind it was a bomb.
0: Yeah, because it's essentially,
1: it's a product
0: line. It's not just this game. It's a whole line of products. Like, they've done Wonder Boy and that was a success. And that was, I guess, arguably, that was the game, the no-risk game. It's like, we're just going to reskin this. We already know the game is good, so we're not risking in terms of making a bad game. Mm. So that was like a no risk. And then now they're going to a sequel, which is obviously more of a risk, and we'll see how much of a risk that they take. But if that bombs, that could be the end of the the remake product line. If it's successful, there could be a whole series of mm. remakes mm. of old Sega games. Yeah. So... Yeah, so it's the the risk in terms of business is it's not just losing the money that they have, it's losing the potential of that product line and the money that could make in the future. Yeah. Um and that's why it's such a huge risk to to step out of you know the the yeah, already known and mm. yeah, and I think when you think about Star Wars that that um first the Force
1: I was gonna bring, bring up that comparison that actually. was
0: the I mean it's such a good comparison because mm. it's like watching a carbon copy of the first Star Wars movie you know mm. it's it's so weird <laughs> but I loved watching it because I was just like this, oh, this is the Star Wars yeah. that I wanted to see yeah um and I like it actually made me feel it's the first time I felt emotional watching a movie
3: <laughs>
0: mm. um I mean not because it was like a sad movie or like as in because I felt like a connection to it you know? yeah
1: um, but yeah they they would know they couldn't pull that off they couldn't do that again right because you can do it once and then everyone's gonna be critical of you know if you just remade Empire Strikes Back for instance mm. then people will be pretty upset about that I would imagine yeah I think that's right yeah and instead they took a lot of risk and they made something mm. that people didn't expect yeah and of course they got the criticism as a result yeah I yep. still liked it, but yep. a lot of people didn't.
0: Well, I guess you need to be able to look at it from an object, um, objective point of view and, and realize that they can't just remake the same thing over and over again. Like mm. you'll never be satisfied if that's what you want, you know. Mm. And I guess people who are totally emotionally driven and, and can't take that perspective, you know, have a problem with yeah being able to understand that,
1: I suppose. hmm And uh, Yeah, on that same sort of vein, I've been thinking because, you know, we voted our favourite or the best beat-em-up of all time as Streets of Rage Remake. Mm. And ultimately, that was just getting all three original Streets of Rage games and Mm. sort of glomming them all together and creating one big experience. Yeah. You know, is is that what they try and do with Streets of Rage 4 or Mm. do they like you said try and create something mm. completely different and take risks. Yeah. It's uh it's going to be interesting to see how that plays mm. out.
0: There are some new mechanics in remake though, but it's a, it's <laughs> I think it can be hard to gauge too because there's different versions of remake and then there's mm. other things you see online which confuses the issue because you see all these weird characters in it. Mm. People have made different mods and stuff. Um but if it is basically Streets of Rage Remake with their art, I would be happy with that.
1: I think that would be the safest way to go. Yeah. But they probably can't do that because they can't just go and pay whoever made Streets of Rage Remake a bunch of money and, you know, take their code. I mean, maybe they could. They did it with Sonic Mania, I guess. But, yeah. Yeah. I don't think they're going to do
0: that. I think anyone who... Like, people who made Streets of Rage Remake, surely they'd be happy to... I mean, I guess it is worth money, but I think they'd be happy to have the work published.
3: Mm.
2: I think yeah. they must understand that they couldn't have made a profit off it anyway. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, to see it published. Yeah. You know that. I imagine that's okay mm. with them. Well, they've because already, can't speak with they've already
0: people done have the put work. Half their lives into it, but yeah, and it's out there. They're not making anything out of it, so
1: yeah. I think that would be the best way to go, but again, Mm. I don't think they're going to do Mm. that. I think this is Lizard Cube, which is the developer. I think that it's their chance to prove that they can create an actual full, you know, new game. Yeah. And if they do that, then they're probably going to see a lot of business thrown their way. Yeah, definitely. Because they did a fantastic job with uh, Wonder Boy Dragon's Trap. Yep. But again, like you said, that's just taking something that already existed, putting amazing art on it, rearranged music, Mm -hmm. um, obviously some programming in the back end, probably a couple of additions here and there, but ultimately it's it's a game that's been done before, whereas this is a new experience, so yeah, we'll see, Mm. we'll see. But I, I do have confidence in what they can do. Yep. Um The art that I've seen so far looks really good. Yeah. I do prefer pixelated artwork because, you know, I'm into retro and stuff like that. Yeah. The hand-drawn stuff still looks pretty good.
0: It would be really awesome if they could somehow have that artwork switch in there to be able to switch between them. I mean, if I'm honest, from what I saw, it looks amazing, but there was something jarring about it to me, having played a lot of, you know, Streets of Rage it it felt weird and it felt not right but maybe it's something that you just get used to because it's just different not necessarily good or bad but just different mm-hmm. um i mean obviously the artwork is good like it's nice um but yeah it just felt weird mm-hmm. um so it'll be interesting and hopefully they yeah hopefully they can somehow switch between some older style graphics that'd mm. be fun if they could do that yeah i'd i'd really like to see some unlockable playable characters in it as well mm-hmm. i think that would be really fun because mm. that's something that they never did in those games and i think it's in the remake i think there's unlockable yeah. characters in remake yeah.
3: yeah
1: so that'd be cool mm. Mm. all right well we'll see i don't know if there's been a release date announced do we know?
0: No, uh, no. I think it's still way too far away because yeah. it seemed like they announced it like just when they got the license, and they had some sort of concept art, but that's as far as they've gone. And they've since released like a few animations of Axel, and I think that's about it.
1: There's a teaser video, right? Yeah, but yeah, it's pretty slim pickings in regards to mm. content. Yeah, so we'll see. hmm It looks cool, but uh, yeah, we'll see what actually eventuates. in, in other news, uh, PAX twenty eighteen. Mm. It's almost here. Mm-hmm. In fact when you hear this, it will be what? It here? probably <laughs> yeah, <laughs> way. It'll be on the week that you hear this, I think.
0: Yeah, so so we'll probably release episode twenty in uh, next week I guess and then it'll be the week after which will be um,
1: 22nd week of the 22nd or 21st
0: yep and so it'll be that weekend yeah
1: yeah so it's almost here and it's kind of crazy to think about that because Mm. this is the same every year that PAX rolls around it feels like you, you go to PAX It's over. You have that sort of post-PAX depression. Yeah. And then (laughs) that sort of develops into, oh, my God, now you can buy tickets for the next PAX, which is, (laughs) what, 10 months away. They always do that,
0: don't they? They, Yeah, and you're like,
1: yes, I want to go to PAX next year. (laughs) But you think it's so far away. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's here again.
0: Hmm. Actually, after the last PAX, I developed a strategy for dealing with The PAX blues, the post-PAX blues. Ah. Masturbation? You know
1: that's a strategy (laughs) for everything for me. Well, for everyone.
0: (laughs) Alcohol. No. Right. Um, It's watching... So on the streams, there's all the VODs. You can pretty much watch every panel from PAX. I don't know how long they stay on the Twitch channels for, but... If you find the PAX Twitch channels, which there's several of them, like for each each um, stage, basically. So, not every room, I don't think. So, you can't see everything, but most of the things, all the bigger stuff, hmm. you can watch um, okay. on the VODs. Hmm. Uh, I don't know if they have a YouTube, but yeah, I was watching them on Twitch and yeah, basically got home. And then for like the next week, I was just watching all the panels. And some of them I'd seen at packs. But yeah. there's so many panels. You, can, yeah. you can't yeah. see them all yeah, obviously. Right. Um or even the majority of them. So there's heaps of stuff to to watch and mm. and it gives you that feeling of like being there. You mm. know, it's that same feeling like mm. the yellow and people are having fun. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> Maybe that's a strategy for if there's a clashing panel, go to the one that isn't in the theatre that's yeah. getting recorded.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah definitely. Yeah. I can see that. Mm yep yeah and it's sad to hear that you won't be joining us, John, yeah, but you've got a much more important and fantastic thing mm. to go to, mm. which is the birth of your child, yeah, yeah, so we're could, all very excited about that, yeah,
0: it could very well be that weekend, um, so she's due the thirteenth of November, the day before my wife's birthday, which is interesting, oh well, wow. um. Yeah, if if she happens to be like two weeks early, then it'll be basically the beginning of November, mm. which is pretty much when Pax on, is mm. on, sort mm. of almost. Yeah, cool. Yeah, so yeah, so I couldn't really uh, leave for Melbourne. No,
1: um, not <laughs> not really an option. No, um, like I said, you've got something much more important to yeah to attend. Yep, but we are going to miss you at Pax because yeah, it was always fun. Adventures at PAX and in Melbourne, yeah, Yeah. lots of fun.
0: It is fun, yeah. Thanks, that's nice of you to say. Oh,
1: anytime. (laughs) (laughs) Usually around PAX time, I'll
0: say that. It's a lot of fun for us, I guess, because it's like a holiday too, it's like a a gaming holiday. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we go to Bartronica and Pinball Paradise. Pixel Alley. Pixel Alley.
1: Lobos. Lobos is
0: a place that has a lot of retro collectibles. I think I would spend a lot more money if I went back there now. (laughs) Mm. Um, Is that comic shop? Was it Mm. Stars Mm. Comics or
2: something like that? Mm. Mm. It starts with M. Does it?
1: Mm. That's right, Minotaur. That's the one. Yeah. No, 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 no. no. Yeah, we'll go to Minotaur as well. But there's a comic shop as well. Um, Kings Comics <laughs> no. Oh no The one to? that had The retro games too Yeah It had a whole
0: bunch Of yeah. retro games Mega Drive games I forget that I what they were
1: called I thought it was Stars or something Like that I don't remember
0: oh. Yeah that was cool mm. I think there's Even more places now Like there's new places That have opened Since yeah, I, then too oh, mm. I just remembered I starred something On my map What was the bar GGEZ bar
1: Excuse me Oh Is that the one We
0: went to Near the university uh, I think it's new. <laughs> when the... <laughs> oh, the closing the ceremony. And we were trying to play Mortal Kombat and you had that young couple like sitting next to you on the couch like what? bashing and stuff and oh, talking to you but also yeah. kissing each other. Oh, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you were just like,
1: this is really awkward. Yeah. <laughs>
3: Let's stop playing Mortal Kombat, John. What?
1: <laughs> that was more awkward than you let on. <laughs> <laughs> was yeah. I there? Yeah, I, I yeah, think you were, you were playing Rock Band.
0: Yeah, that's right. Oh my god! Yeah, okay. <laughs> you disappeared to play Rock Band. <laughs>
2: if that's happening again, you can just leave me. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll be doing that. We did that anyway.
1: We left you the first time. Remember? Right. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, Pax is great. Uh, mm-hmm. Sad, John can't join us, mm-hmm. but Matt and I are going down there, mm-hmm. and it's going to be a whole lot of fun.
0: Yep. I think next year there's there's. A pretty decent chance that I will be there with both Brianna and the young girl. Cool. cool. Yeah, so that should be fun. Mm. It's going to be different, but it'll still be fun. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm excited about... Like, that's the stuff that I'm excited about to, right. you know, being a dad, like, showing my kids these kinds of things, Um mm. you know. I mean, obviously, she'll only be a baby at that stage, but... Mm um you know she'll grow up and be excited to do these things mm. or not or or maybe not maybe she'll be like just call you old you really really these dad. things are stupid why do you like games that are like 20 years old what's wrong with you
1: but then in <laughs> the 20s or 30s she'll go oh yeah these are actually really cool my dad was into <laughs> these things and i love them now yeah pretty much but as I a mean, teenager you know we all hated things that our parents liked Right? Yeah. Or am I the only one? (laughs) I guess it depends on your personality.
0: I don't think I ever hated things that my parents liked. No, I I never did, but that's just my personality. Mm. And I guess my kids are likely to be like that, but they might not be too. Mm. They might hate them. I think my my brother's probably the other way around. He's more rebellious in that way. (laughs) But I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But then again, like my dad liked video games and stuff, so... I don't know.
1: Who knows? Who does know? Who really does know?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, it was
2: called All-Star Comics. There you All go, Star. see? I oh, was
1: okay, so close. Cool. Yeah. So close. That was a cool shop. They I have a memory. Lots of stuff. And toys and stuff too. Mm. Mm. I'll definitely be going there because it's close to our hotel as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's just up the road. God damn it. I'll be taking a <laughs> wad of cash and if they have Mega Drive games like they did... Last year when I was there, yeah. and I bought a bunch. Mm. I'm going to be buying a whole bunch more. Cool. Mm. <sighs> it's all right, John. You got more exciting things to do. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> All right, shall we move on to the topic at hand? Sure. And the topic at hand is something that we've had on our list for a very long time, Mm. almost a year.
0: We've had lots of topics on the topic
1: list. Indeed. We're finally getting, I'm glad
0: we're getting to actually talking about our topics. Me too. The new format has somehow allowed this to happen. Mm. I don't know how, because it's the same amount of
1: time. Hmm. I think we're just being more strict with what we squeeze into the splits. Right. I think that's how it's working. Mm. I could be wrong. We both looked at Matt and Matt do didn't I have say the answer anything. <laughs> <laughs> you have the answer for everything. Uh, so our topic at hand is why do we retro?
2: Because mm. we're old.
1: Well, there's, <laughs> there's that angle. <laughs> But this sort of goes into, you know, why are we into older games? You could say we're Mm. old. Mm. Why do we collect Mm. older games? Mm. Why does it interest us? Mm. Um, Yeah, what's the attraction?
0: There's There's obviously a nostalgia factor, but I think that it can be a really blurry line between that and just whether a game is good or, like, if it's a good game, it's fun to play. There's obviously also, yeah. I mean, I I, I play games now that I didn't play back then. Mm. But then again, just the, the graphics of a console, you know, the, especially from those earlier times, they had a very specific style. Yeah. And the sounds were very specific because they were limited to a certain number of sounds. Mm-hmm. And so any game on certain consoles have a commonality. Yeah. And so you can never get away from the nostalgia of that commonality.
1: Yeah. I, I think that's a very particular point that is very important in the mm-hmm. whole scheme of being into retro games is that um, various consoles back then had uh, limitations. Mm-hmm. And limitations on how many colors it could display. hmm how, you know, what the resolution was, mm. what the sound was like, how many mm. instruments it could play at any one time, mm. and so in many ways, those machines had their own art style. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah, definitely, and it's incredibly unique. Mm. It, it's a unique art style. Mm. So it's not a, it's not like modern consoles where you play a modern game or modern PC or whatever, where you have, I don't know what what what's the maximum color range 32 million or whatever it is 16.7 million is like that the max? That, yeah, yeah. yeah mm. something like that mm. um you know ridiculous resolutions and all games will look like all other games mm. they have the full they they don't have those limitations mm. whereas you go back to 8 and 16 bit days maybe even earlier they all have their very unique style mm. and that's it's something that's you know it's it's cool, mm. you know it's it's you can see a screenshot of an older game and you know immediately what system it might yeah. be from just from the the colours that you see. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Another giveaway is like the size of the sprites. Mm. Mm. Exactly. So the same game on two different systems, the things scale differently. Mm. Like the characters might be this big compared to the screen.
1: Yep. Yeah. And, you know, artistic styles change through the generations and it's the same as architecture. Um, It's the same Mm. as um, painted work. So Mm -hmm. architecture, you know, you went through your brutalism phase where everything was very square and Mm. uh, muted colours and and so it's sort of the same with games. Games have their own sort of unique art style as you go through the generations. Mm. Maybe we're losing that in the modern generation where everything's available and everything's trying to be super realistic. Mm. Well, I think
0: that the way that that works is that they're no longer technologically limited and so the style of the art is more dictated by fashion trends or when mm. I say fashion, I mean like, you know, that the trend in the art, you know, yep. of what's popular at the time, you yep. know. Um, so, so the different styles that you see are dictated more by the trend and less um, by the limitations of the hardware. Mm. Although, I mean, you have to acknowledge that the technology still limits the the art that you see, and it might be more so in things like the actual software that they use to design the art, you know, um, just with the capabilities that they have. Mm. So... And, and we we can't even really under, begin to understand that because of the complexity that's involved. Yeah. Because obviously none of us are artists. <laughs> yeah. But I'm sure if you talk to an artist, they would say, you know, that yeah, some styles are popular simply because they're easier to reproduce. Mm. You know, or the tools are available
1: to reproduce those types of art. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, and there's certainly mm. still a long way to go for modern games to look like real life. Mm. I mean, you you can look at um, modern games trying to do a cutscene with mm. faces up close and stuff mm. like that, and they still look pretty stupid. Mm. So they still got a long way to go.
0: Yeah, um, it's funny you should say that because I was thinking about that today. Um, when I so I jumped onto a Twitch stream briefly, and there was a guy playing a wrestling game at WWF or whatever it is, um, and The Rock came out. And the twist in this story is that he had big head mode on. <laughs> and their head was massive. that's the name. The body, like, and, you know, it's the rock, so he's all serious and stuff. And um, I was looking at the body going, that looks real. Like, that looks like it's a video, videotape or like it's, you know, mm-hmm. recorded. Mm. I'm like, that's amazing. But then the head, because it was so big, I could see... Where the textures oh. were starting to fall over, like I mm. could, I could see that, um, because the head was big, like it wasn't obviously wasn't real, mm. um, and it was more noticeable the limitations in, in the head. But yeah, the body looked amazing.
1: Isn't it all also though the human brain that, uh, recognizes things in the face much more clearly than mm. other parts of the body. So. Yeah it's going to be much more critical of what the face looks like yeah. and what it's doing mm. compared with bodies. Yeah,
0: quite possibly. It's hard to say, you know, because I haven't seen the game not in big head mode. <laughs> but, um, yeah, you you could be right there and maybe maybe I would feel that way. But, I mean, I think, yeah, I was actually just amazed and as someone who doesn't own a PS4 or like a PC that's really high spec or anything and doesn't play a lot of modern games... Um, I was like, I feel like it's getting to a stage where it is almost reproducing something that could be mistaken for, yeah, it's close, real. it's close. you uh, see
1: modern sports games, they mm, look pretty
0: amazing, yeah, but maybe, but maybe have we been saying this the whole time, and mm-hmm. is it just a bar that keeps moving? Mm. you know, I mean, I remember people saying
1: that about the mega c d yeah, maybe I remember saying that about some commodore sixty four games. <laughs> sitting my parents (laughs) down in the lounge room and just saying, watch this. This is amazing. This looks like real life. Wow. And them going, yeah, yeah, it looks great. (laughs) But now you look at it and, you know, those pixels are almost the size of your head. In big head mood. I remember (laughs) saying
0: that about, like, PS1 and stuff, like Resident Evil, talking about the full-motion video parts, obviously. Actually, those were really... They were full-motion, like... Yeah, anyway, I'm going to shut up now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Besides the graphical quality and limitations and stuff like that, um, for me personally, I've grown up with games. Hmm. So I've been playing for as long as I can remember. Hmm. And, you know, I have a pretty sizable collection. Mm -hmm. And There can be people who criticize me fairly. You know, I'm not going to call them out on it saying that. I have all of these games and I don't play them. Mm. Well, for me it's it's not really about playing the games mm. because I've played so many games mm. and a lot of what I own, for me it's about um, having having these stories. So I've I've you know, I played all these games and I've lived through all of these stories. I can walk into my room that has all my games and my collection and I can look over on the shelf and see something and go oh yeah i remember when you know Mm. this happened or this Mm. stage or Mm. i I finished this game Mm. and and you know with a lot of digital um digitally available games now you play them and then once you played them they're gone Mm. you know they're sort of out of sight out of mind Mm. but for retro games you have a physical copy it's sitting on a shelf Mm. and you can look at it and think back you know 20 years when you played through it and mm. been thinking about that little adventure that you had mm. Mm. so it's like a just a little memory mm. you know mm. shelves of memories that you can look yeah. at and think yeah that was that was really cool that time when mm. i sat down with my parents and said this game doesn't this game look realistic yeah <laughs> and i can laugh about it now yeah but you know that's a memory you can have because you can look at that game and remember that mm. memory as opposed to it just being a A thing that doesn't exist anymore Mm. because you know particular server or something has been turned off. Mm.
0: Do you think that um, that's part of the reason why the manuals, as part of the game, has become a more desirable thing too? Mm. Like I feel like you know when you have a game like that in a collection, and you open up the box and you pull the manual out. It reminds you of all the intricacies of that game mm. and what it was like to to play it.
1: Yeah, and you remember when you bought it back in the day and you opened it up and you were reading through the instructions mm. and trying to piece together this ridiculous story mm. that didn't make any sense. Mm. Um, yeah, it's the full thing. It's the sort of... The memories that you have back then mm. that you can relive... Because you have that physical item sitting mm. on the shelf, and even even games that I hadn't played or I haven't played that I have now, you know, it's it's a physical representation of uh, an, an artistic endeavor. Mm. So it's mm. it's a product that you can look at and go, oh, so these guys made this game, and what's it mm. about? And mm. it's got this cool cover art and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Mm. And yeah, I just look at these things, and it makes me happy. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean I I definitely feel the same way. Um Yeah, I think I mean I like to play the games and I think we've talked about this before where you know you you've sort of said you don't necessarily feel a need to play the games or you know and you don't really have things set up so that you can play games and one of the things I like to have Is all my consoles set up they're all plugged into like a switch box Mm. so that at any time i can go i want to play this console i just switch it on the controllers there i flick it on the right channel and then it's going Mm -hmm. and i have all my games so that they're within like easy reach Mm -hmm. um and so that i can play any game at any moment Mm. um and i like to be able to do that and i also really feel strongly about actually going and giving every game the attention that I feel that they deserve in terms of playing it through um, not necessarily to completion but mm. to a point where I feel like I've got a lot out of the game like I, if I paid re- full retail price would I feel like I've got my money's worth mm. assuming that it's not a crap game <laughs> Yeah. Um, but even with the crappy games it's it's recognizing what value it has you know whether that's because it's contributed in some way like mechanically to the development of games in general or if it's just because it has cool music or cool artwork Mm -hmm. Um, i think that lord of the sword game on master system is a good example because i pretty much bought that game because it's got cool cover art like the cover art's really cool Mm -hmm. i think the idea of the game is good um in practice it's not it's it's good, but it's not amazing. Um, mm-hmm. And so I don't know if I could play it all the way through to completion. It um, would depend on, I guess, time and that sort of thing. But, uh, yeah, so it's not the best game, but it's just got really cool art. like, And I can appreciate that, you know. Mm. Um,
1: so for me, yeah, it's about finding those things that, you know. Yeah, those hidden gems. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, not necessarily gems, but, yeah, just finding something that not many people talk about and Mm. experiencing it for yourself and realizing, oh, this is actually kind of cool. Yeah. Mm. What about you, Matt? Yeah, what are you... So you don't necessarily collect, Matt. Correct. But you are are hacking River Raid Mm. into another, well, a game with additional modes. Yeah, yeah. What makes you choose going back to an old game to do this compared with just, you know, doing something brand new?
2: Um, old video games are, like, understandable. Mm. I think oh. I could not have done this on, maybe on the Commodore 64, but mm. anything newer
3: mm.
0: would be, uh, like, it's
2: impossible to works.
0: understand how the game worked. Mm. Because it's almost like learning electronics, like, when you learn the basic level electronics it's you're learning but it's not necessarily useful in a, in terms of uh, a practical application in in this time because mm-hmm. things don't use like analog electronics anymore it's yeah. all digital and it's all little boards and stuff like that
2: there's similarities in the whole thing anyway like it's it's back in the time where one person could understand the entire system. Right. Where, you know, all the modern things, it's, there's so much when, uh, would, abstraction and hmm. complexity that you'll never get that. And the same in the game, not just the systems, but, you know, you could take an old video game and pretty much understand the whole thing. So games, you
0: know, would most games have one programmer? Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. When do you think that changed... When did sixteen bit?
1: Yeah, mainly sixteen bit. Yeah, yeah.
2: But then it'd be like two, maybe yeah. three. Still, it Still goes from teams,
0: but- it goes from like having one person who is in charge of everything about the programming of the game to being a team of people that have to work together and agree. Mm-hmm. It's a big step, you know. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. Have you seen the documentary Bedrooms to Billions? I have not. Why don't I lend you a Blu-ray? Do you have a Blu-ray player? Yeah, the PS3. (laughs) Okay. I'll lend you it because it's really, really good. Okay. And it sort of goes into that whole thing about how, you know, back in the 8-bit days, you have the bedroom coder. Yep. And they design the game, they code the game, they do the music, Mm -hmm. they publish the game. And then as that got more and more popular and then marketing teams got involved and then producers and publishers and... Um, Then games became, you know, five people, ten people, twenty people, a hundred people. It became less of a, you know, artistic thing that one person creates Mm. and more of just a a product, I Mm. guess. Mm. And a lot of these um, creators from back in the day just felt completely alienated Mm. from the process. Yep. And just left Mm. left the industry Mm. Mm. because they just couldn't understand or Mm. you know work with these huge company Mm. conglomerates that Mm. are interested in profits and Mm. money and and whereas they just want to make a really cool game Mm. and it's it's a really cool documentary i'll I'll give you Mm. a lend cool
0: yeah i'll definitely be interested to watch that it that actually makes a really interesting point which i feel like is Important for this discussion in terms of, you know, why retro as opposed to modern games and maybe it is about the vision of one person
3: mm-hmm.
0: um, And I think that it does exist in some modern games, but obviously in a lot of cases it's diluted Because there's so many people involved and obviously also a lot of money and big businesses yeah. um, and because of the sheer scale of these games, it can't really be done by one person. Mm. Um, But I think that the result of having, you know, one one vision, you know, from the bedroom programmer or, you know, even if they're obviously working for a company, one person that's like, this is my baby, you know, and this is how I want it to be, is that you get games that are um i guess a bit more quirky or they have a certain artistic style and i don't mean just in graphics but like in the way that a story is told and the way that game mechanics are tied into that mm. um and i think that that's where games like castlevania come from mm-hmm. um and i mean i don't know i'd have to think about it to think of any other examples but i don't know if you guys can if anything comes to mind but um those are the things I see in retro games. Sometimes you come across these games, like maybe to- Toe Jam and Earl is a good example. Like they're just totally weird yeah, and, but but so cool. Yeah. Like, Um, you know, it's it's um. I think that those are the things you see in in retro games more, and I guess that's where it, coming into the argument of what is retro when you get to like PlayStation level that's sort of disappearing and mm. and maybe you know for matt saying that those aren't retro maybe that's part of it you know yeah um just as an example of, of a <clears throat> modern game that i feel like it has that one vision is bayonetta i think has that that one vision you mm. know of someone saying like this is the game that i'm gonna make you know and mm-hmm. i'm sticking to this you know and, I'm, and i've moved all the pieces into place like everything's tied together um the gameplay and the mechanics and the story and Hmm. sound music um so maybe there's something to do with project planning in there and all that sort of stuff Mm -hmm. but it's i think it would be hard to pull off yeah there's one similarity
2: (laughs) i i would point out today it's a thing i think about quite a lot is that modern indie games that have mm. these small teams right. and possibly individuals mm. do get this kind of um, mm. inspirational yeah. uniqueness yeah. in their games. Yeah. 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 That's similar to right. the retro style probably because
3: Yeah.
1: Possibly weird games, yeah, and yeah. small teams. Yeah, right. I can yeah, kind of right. equate that to And that's, that's games. Um, Super Meat Boy and Fez yeah. and yeah you know those sort of games yeah. where they're modern well they're mo- not modern now yep. i think they were around 2007 or something like that but yep. uh they're modern in the sense of the word oh. yep uh but they're done by two people mm-hmm. where it's just a it's an idea that someone's had and then two people just get together and try and make it happen yeah yep. as opposed to throwing a thousand people yeah. at it and that's not to say you know throwing a thousand people at a game doesn't create good games because they obviously yep. do yeah. there's a lot of unbelievably fantastic modern games yeah but um yeah i think it's that uniqueness of the experience yep. there's the quirkiness mm. there's things that don't quite work mm. but they do because mm. they don't work mm. and that gives it that unique flavor yeah
0: i guess it's that it's the director's job to keep everyone focused on the same goal, right? Mm. And maybe that's something that hasn't actually really been, um, like, conquered in the games sector as well as maybe it has been in the movies sector. Like, when you think Mm. about really well-known directors, you know, going back to the the Star Star Wars um, example again, like J.J. Abrams, Mm. when you think about that, it seems obvious how that person really focuses everyone on the goal that they're trying to achieve mm. um he, th- it's their vision and they align everyone to that yeah and and that's what makes the project successful in the end yeah and that's I a wonder, really good point yeah, yeah
1: I, I think the the best directors are the ones who create something where you can watch it and go oh that's done by that guy mm. so kubrick for example yeah you watch a Kubrick film mm. and you'd more than likely be able to pick that it's a Kubrick film because yep. he puts his flavor all over it. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Yeah.
0: When you think about all those guys like, you know, James Cameron and Tim Burton, they mm-hmm. all have this really specific style mm. and I think that when you watch those movies, it's very consistent throughout the whole movie mm-hmm. Um yeah,
1: so that's, yeah, an interesting point maybe, to think about. Yeah, like what you were saying, maybe that's where games need to get to. Yeah. Where they do still have the thousand people they're throwing at building this game, mm. but they have that one person at the lead mm. that is creating the experience in their image. Yeah. So that when you play that, you can go, oh, yeah, that's, that's made by that guy.
0: Yeah. Do you think there's something about technology that kind of stifles the creativity that's involved with that sort of thing because when I think about people who are programmers it's um I mean it's 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 only a stereotype so it's not necessarily true I'm sure there's lots of programmers who are very very creative and artistic but um you know the stereotypical programmer is potentially not so much and is that um like kind of uh, how do I describe it like opposing to mm-hmm. you know the creativity of, of the director's vision or
1: uh, possibly Although I... when we're thinking about indie games or retro games they're generally programmed and designed by the one person right but they're probably more simple mm. compared to the very large triple a games mm. yeah I don't know I think that's a I might be just I might be just
0: deep diving too too deep there. Mm,
1: that might be a question <laughs> that we can't answer probably,
0: mm. <laughs> yeah, without being game developers. It's funny, I always thought about the the game developer. you see there's a lot of game developer like um, conferences, but also even at PAX, there's panels about development and that mm. sort of thing and A lot of people get really excited to talk to developers and, you know, the whole um, showroom area. There's heaps of developers and all that sort of stuff. And I've always thought I'm not really interested in that. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm not really interested in the development side of games, um, how they're constructed and all that sort of stuff. Um, I'm interested in, like art and all that sort of thing hmm. in in the consumption I guess side of it. Yeah. Um but I've never really you know thought too much about at that side and maybe it's I don't know. I feel like it's something that it's almost gets glorified, you know, by people who are into games like Yeah. Um
1: No, I'm I'm completely with you. I I don't know if I'm making a lot of sense but Well, we, you What I'm taking from what you are saying is something that I'm feeling, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but Mm. I don't particularly care about who programmed or designed Mm. or whatever a certain game myself, you know, the developers and so forth. I Mm. just care about the game. Mm. Mm. And I sort of liken it to the... The, the idea of no one wants to know how the sausage is made. Mm, mm, yeah. You know, I mean...
0: <laughs> Just that it tastes good. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, you know, the the game I will love, mm. you know, certain games, you know, I do sort of go after, you know, maybe the person who composed the music and, and hope to get a signature or something like that on the game. That's kind of yeah. cool. Maybe even the artist, but, mm. yeah, the developers and stuff like that, I don't know, for whatever reason, I've never been... Yeah terribly interested in I've, mm. I've been just more interested in the game
0: yeah. maybe it's because it's it's i prefer to evaluate the game from a game playing perspective because when you start evaluating it from like a developing perspective like oh those polygons are a bit um not that great there mm. and or oh, mm. the colors that they use are not that great there um you know or whatever it is yeah it almost doesn't matter you know what the how good the technical aspects are Mm. you know it's it's a game and it should be fun yeah and all those things of course are part of the the package and it's important and they need to do a good job and that sort of thing but um but to me all that matters is that it's a fun game and it looks nice and uh can
1: i don't know can those things be separated do you think Mm. i know there's lots of people that do care about The technical aspect of Mm. games and complain about a frame rate or yeah you know all that kind of stuff I've never cared about that kind Mm. of thing I just care that like you said the game is fun
0: Mm. I suppose that's I guess that's what I'm saying really is that I kind of don't really care about those things like you know yeah frame rate is an example I know what it, the difference is between 60 and 30 frames and i understand that it makes the game smoother and look slicker and that sort of thing mm. but if the game is fun i don't care if it's in 30 frames i'll still play it and have fun yeah, that's and that's right. all it, that all that matters yeah to me yeah um so i don't really care that they couldn't achieve 60 frames or whatever mm. but i do understand how that makes it better mm. so it's hard to separate but Hopefully it makes sense, <laughs> what I'm saying. So, <laughs> what do you think, Matt?
2: 60 frames a second is good.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Full stop. Indeed. Blog number two. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I really think older games uh, you know they're they shouldn't be considered as old games and therefore not worth experiencing mm. from the younger generation yeah. because um, you see it now with you know speed running. speed running has become incredibly popular yeah and for the most part speed running is done on retro games yeah yeah um, and I don't know for whatever reason but maybe it's because those older games are tighter experiences and mm. just more fun, more um more down to their base elements of what gameplay is yeah. mm. as opposed to these giant open world mm. huge experiences I yeah. don't know but I mean obviously there's speedrunners of modern games but retro seems mm. to be more popular
0: yeah,
2: I think that nails it quite a bit. Mm. But also, in the bugs that people find, you can understand the bug. Like the way they yeah. do the... For example, Super Mario Brothers, everything about the game is understood mm. because you can look in the the game and see why a thing happens. Mm. Understand yep. exactly how to exploit it.
1: Yeah. Whereas in modern games, that'd be very difficult. Yeah. Because they're incredibly complex. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Mm. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so they boil down a game to its very basic level.
3: Mm. Mm
1: -hmm. And, yeah, just take advantage of that.
3: Mm.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting the different points of view on those types of things too because, yeah, it feels like a large portion of the speedrunning community are essentially like retro gamers, but I don't think they think about themselves in that way Mm. or it's somehow compartmentalized... Well, I think Matt's right about the fact that it's almost like the game is explored to a certain degree and then it becomes a candidate for speedrunning, right? Mm. And, yeah, I feel like that's pretty much how it goes.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. And I love the speedruns where they break the game, um, where they're basically writing machine code using parts of the game. That's crazy. The Super Mario World one, Ah, uh, this super Mario- oh Super Mario Bros. Three as well. Mm. They do it. It's it's just a credit skip.
0: I don't understand how that works.
1: I don't understand it either, but it's awesome. <laughs> I've
2: watched so many videos explaining these things. Mm. It's just like placing things around the level uh, in a particular way that you will you know this object is in this location, which happens to be you know machine code to you know jump to a particular location. Oh. In memory. They hit some exploit which manages to make the CPU read that part of. Memory as if it's instructions,
0: mm. and this is all which tells it to go to the end of the game. And this mm. is all triggered by controller inputs, yeah. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah, writing
2: <laughs> machine code using yeah, the game controller inputs <laughs> that is yeah.
0: crazy. Mm. Jeez, you
2: can only do that on these games that are small enough to you know break apart and yeah, yeah, you know, know it in that,
0: that kind of way. Mm. But I wonder if we'll ever get to a point like that with modern games now. Do you think that that's possible? No, there's
2: actually security measures in modern systems that okay. prevent that,
0: right?
1: Right.
2: You can only execute, you know, in program space instead of, you know, where your graphics are.
1: Yeah. Things mm. like that. Okay. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, it's pretty damn cool. <laughs> Some of the stuff they do.
3: Mm. Mm. Yeah,
0: I mean, I think. Yeah. So in terms of modern versus. Retro. I think for me a big a big part of it though too is it is the is a time management I guess is the best way to put it. You know, I think so many modern games now are designed as an experience that lasts a really long time, mm. and a lot of the time when I sit down to play a game, I only have a limited time, so. I like a game that that just jumps into it. Although maybe that's just part of the type of games that I like. I know I like more arcade-style games. I like games that you jump into. It's a bit more skill-based. A
1: bit more mechanics-based. Yeah.
0: Mm. Um, I mean, fighting games are like that. Obviously, Pinball is like that. Mm. Um, Warrior Ware is like that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I like. I feel like Warrior has distilled that idea down to using like one button in like a five second game, and you know, just a bunch of different different games, mm. and it's all just about the skill of reacting, understanding the instructions that it's giving you, and then reacting in the way that you need to react.
1: Yeah, um, I, I think you've hit on a very crucial point as to why I prefer retro games compared to modern games, and that's that. They're, they're simple to just pick up and play, mm. and they're shorter, tighter experiences. So mm-hmm. your game might go for 15, 20 minutes as opposed mm. to 15, 20 hours. Mm. And I know this makes me sound very old. <laughs> We've talked about this before, mm. but my one of my biggest problems with modern games mm. is that I'm time poor, mm. so I buy these modern games, I pop them in, Let's let's just not talk about the patching problem for mm, a, mm, for a moment, mm. where you know you don't get to play your game for the first hour as soon as you plug it in. Yeah. Um, but you you play it, you know you get past the intro level, you get mm. maybe two or three levels. You spend about four hours playing the game, and you're really enjoying it. Mm. And because I'm time poor, I might come back to the game in a month. Mm. And decide I want to play it again. Mm, and again, mm. ignoring the patching, because there's inevitably going to be a patch where yeah. first it's a system patch, then there's a game patch. <laughs> but then you finally get into the game, and you can't remember... What you were doing. What you were doing. Yeah. And what the controls were. Yeah. Um, and I know it sounds stupid, mm. but I've seen many people <laughs> on Twitter complain about this and say, hey, oh, yeah. wouldn't it be great yeah. if when you return to a game after a month and you jump into it, it just reminds you what the controls are. Yeah. I was, it's it's just, I wonder if you've seen it gets game me game. every time.
0: And I've definitely had it too, and I've had it with Breath of the Wild um, because I was playing, I started Breath of the Wild before I got Bayonetta, and I played through Bayonetta 1 and 2, finished those, and I was playing other games too and finally got back to Zelda, and I was like, I have no idea what's going on. Mm. Um, and I had to go and... Th- there is the log, so I, I went and read the log and I had to figure out how to get back on track and it mm. actually took me a while because I was doing other things and I realized those weren't really my main quest line and mm. um, it took me a while to figure out what I was needed to do. <laughs> yeah. So,
1: yeah, no, it's definitely... It's just a barrier of entry yep. because you you think oh I'd really like to my example in this instance is Resident Evil 7 mm. I haven't played that for so long now mm. but I really like the game and I'd like to go back to it but mm. would I remember because I'm in the I'm in the heat of battle Yeah. where I left it yeah. I, I was being chased <laughs> by something when <laughs> yeah. I eventually left the game yeah. when I was playing it so when I go back into it I'm just going to be attacked and destroyed because mm. you know that the issue being that there's no standard controls they're going to be different for every different yeah. game yeah so i'm going to go back into this and I'm just going to get destroyed and yeah. sure after five minutes i'll remember and go mm. okay this does this and mm. this does this and mm. then i'll oh, i was heading this way and mm. that's all good yep but it's the barrier of entry where i think oh do i really want to mm. go in there and fiddle about for yeah. five minutes and get mm. killed ten times yep. and yeah. yeah. Whereas retro games you just go in, you mm. put a credit in and yeah. you've got maybe two buttons, mm. joystick.
0: Any yeah. Any arcade style game, you know, you can just pick up and play and the rules are simple and usually it reminds you, you know, mm. arcade games are always set up that way. But but obviously well,
2: yeah. Maybe that's a thing as well. You you often starting at the beginning mm. in an old game, but yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah. Continuing right. Through some grand story. Yeah. Yeah. You're not about 15 hours into
1: something.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But arguably, there are old games that are long-form games like the Might and Magic and... Yeah, that's um, true. You know, so they they do exist. Yeah. um, And obviously, vice versa. There's modern games that are quick. Mm -hmm. Um,
1: They usually get um, panned, though. If a modern game comes out, and it's a game that goes for two hours. Mm. people get up in arms
0: about it well what about but what about a game that's like an arcade style game that's skill based like one good example is rocket League mm. um, I mean that game is it's basically an arcade game
3: mm.
0: so uh I think there's there's definitely games out there that exist that are
1: but that's like a multiplayer that. game isn't it
0: yeah, I guess. Yeah, I suppose so a it different is. Experience. Yeah, maybe it's. Maybe that's. I'm talking about a single-player
1: story yeah, experience. Okay.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, what about the platform genre? It's you know,
1: basically disappeared. Yeah. Because um, you can't have forty hours of jumping on platforms. Mm, yep. Well, I guess they've turned into the open world um, genre. Mm. I guess that
0: there's the only yeah I mean I, there's Mario, I can't think of anything else like that. I don't know if there's any others hmm. mm. um <laughs> but another funny thing I was thinking was, are we just are we just old men now <laughs> and well, Matt said it yes. first, but, um you know <laughs> I think it, that's a part of it there's because one thing I think about is preservation, you know the idea of preservation, and when I think about that. It sounds very uh conservative um you know when I'm like you young should be paying attention <laughs> to what came before you because there's value there mm. <laughs> you know, and uh it it feels very old man like mm. um I guess there is an element of that
1: that in there, yeah. Yeah, I don't necessarily feel the need to tell people mm. to play these older games mm. because there's, you know, this is where this came from or whatever. Mm. But
0: yeah. Well, I, I uh, for me, it's only really about the fun that, that is had. Mm. I suppose it's more that I don't want people to write them off just because they're old. Mm. Um, so, Yeah. It's like with all these collections that come out, like,
1: people buy these collections. Like, yeah, I don't know. Um, I think going back to speedrunning is the is the vehicle that a lot of young people are getting introduced to these older games now. Mm, now that it's becoming really popular. Mm, yeah. But, yeah, retro. Mm.
0: There's so much more that could be said, but... It's totally escaping
1: me now. <laughs> mm. It's getting late. Mm. This is the second podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have anything else to say, Matt? <laughs> yeah, I think if I can sum it up, and maybe I can't sum it up well, but for me, you know, I retro because their memories, their stories, they're happy times to mm. me. Mm. You know, like I said, I look at these games on my shelves and I remember certain things that I did back then, Mm. the environment that I was in, Mm. um, you know, Christmases, birthdays. Mm. um, And I'm also the kind of person that loves just great artwork. Mm -hmm. And so games, not always, but can often have fantastic artwork. Mm -hmm. So to me, you know, they just... They're just happy times and beautiful things that I love mm-hmm. and I always have loved. Mm. And I will continue to love modern yep. games. I still love modern games as yeah. well. Yeah. And in a few years' time, those modern games will be retro games. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Again, when people criticize and say I have shelves and shelves of games, I just say, I look at them, they make me happy. Mm. And if you're going to tell me that that's wrong, that's not wrong because mm. It makes me happy Mm. and anything that makes someone happy is is good as far as I'm concerned Mm.
0: so you don't feel like a sense of like protection like you're protecting um, these things because you don't want them to be destroyed
3: no okay
0: so you wouldn't be you wouldn't be concerned if you know in in a whole generations time when you're gone that people would just basically turf your collection
1: Oh, I wouldn't like that. I, you know, when I eventually pass, mm. I'd like to see my collection go to some museum mm. or mm. something. I mean, they mm. need to be enjoyed by someone. Yeah, because I, I feel like that's
0: one one thing that we maybe possibly naive about and the fact that we place value in these things, and that you know, if you think about a generation and then a generation ahead of that, those people potentially wouldn't give a crap about. Mm. these things that we love now mm. and you know you might work to preserve preserve them now but you know in in another 100 years it won't won't have any value to anybody
1: mm. potentially i would disagree mm. i mean yeah potentially that's a that's an outcome mm. but i'd be very surprised if that was an outcome because mm. these are these are products from creative minds. Mm. They're artistic endeavours, like I said mm. before. Mm. And like anything like that, like movies, mm. books, mm. again, architecture, mm. anything that's created by humans um, are loved mm. by people throughout time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's, there's classic movies that have been lost because, mm. you know, Hollywood Studios burned down mm. or, or whatever. And and it's a complete travesty, and everyone mm. tries to um, ensure that all these old movies are preserved, no matter how shit they were. Mm. Um, and it, it'll be the same with games, yeah. Because games are another medium where people, you know, enjoy they mm. they have a good time either as an individual mm. or, or with other people. Mm. They form relationships around these things. Yes, um, they're very very important to culture yeah and I'd be very shocked if that wasn't the case in a hundred years time yeah
0: yeah no I I agree with you too Um, I mean I I like to explore all of the you know possible arguments I I think about those sorts of things like you know is it naive to care about certain things and and Mm. I think you're right though in that there is value I mean when you think about you know movies that were made you know a long time ago obviously there's value there even though you may not have any nostalgic connection to that mm. you know um it's yeah it's got some artistic value and mm. yeah
1: um it's it's such a young industry the mm, whole video game thing yeah there yeah are, there are now video game museums mm-hmm. but they're very early in their lifetime yep i mean even movies, they they haven't been around for very long. Mm. But in comparison to video games, they've been around forever. Yeah. So video games are just a blip on the radar at the moment. Yeah. But people are realizing that this is something very important mm. to human culture. Mm. And it will be preserved. Mm. Yeah. Well, hopefully. I mean, people are trying to do that. Yeah, definitely. Emulation is a big part of that, making sure that these things that... Could potentially be lost forever, or you know being able to be experienced by other people mm, it's mm. very important, yep mm. but yeah who knows mm. yeah, oh,
0: I think you summed it up well, just to add to that, I think that for me there there's an element of a non wastefulness as well, like and I mm. think that's what leads me to want to give the attention to these games um and on top of that. They most a lot of them are not very expensive <laughs> mm. so to me, I guess my attitude towards it is you know I can have a lot of fun with something that is not expensive and for it to not be wasted and um, for it to be appreciated mm. so I think that's a big part of why i I do it you know um, especially so i I think I take you know, even more pleasure in appreciating things that other people don't appreciate, hmm. um, you know, which maybe you know, at a most basic level, the whole Sega versus Nintendo idea. I think we're used to thinking of Nintendo as m- more popular than NES, you know, and I think that's part of why I focus more so on like the master system in terms of those 8-bit systems mm-hmm. um, because it's not appreciated as much, even though in this country arguably it is yeah, it but was, yeah. um but um yeah i think that's part of what makes me want to um focus on that more so than like nintendo um so yeah there's definitely that that part of it too
1: mm. cool mm. so maybe that's why we retro hmm maybe
2: sure <laughs> and we're <laughs> old
1: And we're old. It's it's true. And we're old. But does that mean older every minute of the day? Yeah. Um, I think
0: it might be time to hear from the readers about this. (laughs) Mm. I mean, I want I want to hear from more people Mm. about this.
1: Yeah. Why do people care about retro? Mm.
3: Mm.
1: I mean, it's a fair question. Mm. I think we've tried our best to answer that for ourselves on this podcast yeah we probably bumbled over our words and probably not spoken you know eloquently about our (laughs) own thoughts and so forth but we tried our best um but yeah why do the readers feel retro is important if you have any thoughts let us know Hmm. Mm And shall we close the podcast there?
0: Yeah, I think so.
1: Alrighty, so thanks everyone for listening to Game the System podcast. If you would like to con- contact us, having trouble talking now, <laughs> contact us, the best way to do that is on Game the System forums at gamethesystem.co. You can also reach out, out to us via feedback at gamethesystem.co. You can reach me on Twitter at Mark's Tweet, that's at M A R C S underscore tweet. John and Matt are Huego and BSS on the forums. John, you are twitch.tv slash Huego. Mm -hmm. H W A Y G O. That's it. Please rate us on iTunes. That helps us a lot. That's the only way we get the word out that we exist. Mm -hmm. Uh, And lastly, thank you to our sponsor, 1989 Arcade Bar and Kitchen. Check out 1989 for classic arcade games, great beer, and great food at 22 King Street, Newtown, mm. and at 1989.com.au. Mm, mm, mm. mm. It is. One
0: quickly, quick thing, sorry. One I know quickly, already, quick thing. or I know you've already closed this, but I just realized yes. that um, I think our battle discussion for the Game Boy Advance yes. will probably be in quite a while because... ah uh-huh, we should... Yes, we, if we release, talk about this. If this episode is coming out like on the week of PAX and then we'll probably have some PAX stuff. Um, yeah, the, plan, might, the might, plan
1: is yeah. to take the recorder to PAX and then after each day of PAX, me and Matt will, I was going to say cuddle up in a room, but that's the wrong term. <laughs> we will huddle up in a room, that's a better term. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can ta- cuddle if you want to. Well, we can cuddle and huddle.
0: I'll be sad that I'll be missing out of the cuddle, but
1: yeah, we can, you know, send pictures. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll huddle and cuddle, and talk about what we've been doing during the day. They mm-hmm. might go for ten minutes, fifteen minutes. Maybe they'll go longer. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, so, the plan is to release one for each day, which is three. Mm-hmm. But we'll see what happens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Depending whether you have a baby. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You might be busy. Might yeah, be busy. Yeah.
0: So. so yeah, I might have to phone in from the hospital to tell you what I think about the Game Boy Advance games. I <laughs> <we> don't know. <laughs> um
1: I mean, yeah, maybe we just edit and send the file raw. Mhm. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Yeah. But yep. during packs, it'll be either a busy time or a quiet time. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Mhm.
0: But yes, the Game Boy Advance battle will be sometime after that. Yeah, correct. So it could be three weeks away or something like that.
3: Yep.
1: Cause we need time to play the games too.
0: Yep. Yes. There's a lot of game to play.
1: Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. Alright. See you guys and gals next time. Bye. Bye.